Episode 24, Program Directors. Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories. Suit up and get ready for today's episode. There are so many wonderful, wonderful people that work in radio, but some of the worst you'll ever work for, if you were in radio in the golden ages like we were, are program directors. Some of them are wonderful guys, and you just love them to death, and others were just complete jerks. Well, I I had the... uh, By the way, Dave, uh, I have managed to spend my entire time in radio and I was never a program director were you yes one time were you a jerk or how did you know I was really a you were really, really nice good guy, guy. Yeah, yeah I was a good guy and I always tried to help my staff uh, and we'll get to that in a minute but I I remember every single name of every program director I ever worked for ever wow you're a lot uh, younger than I am well, so I'd, your memory is a lot better <laughs> It, I don't know. It's slipping a bit, but I do remember these guys simply because I didn't work at that many radio stations. Sure, right. Yeah. When I first got in, the only thing I remember about our program director was at the very first station I worked at in San Antonio, Keys FM, K E E Z, was a guy by the name of Lowell Huffman. And Lowell really wasn't much of a program director because the whole radio station was automated anyway with the Schaefer automation system. Uh-huh, right. But Lowell was quote unquote program director. And so, so he posted he, the shifts maybe. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He really okay. just lined out the shifts for the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Stecker, who became, and I think we've discussed him once or twice. He's yeah. passed now, but was a, uh, at that radio station at the time, along with me and Phil Robbins. Mm-hmm. And Ted, after Lowell left, Ted became an interim program director. Uh, and I didn't leave too long after uh, Ted was in there. So that's when I moved to Victoria. Got my job at KBIC eventually. I don't remember. There was no program director at at that KTXN radio station. A lot of those, at that time, a lot of the program directors were, in fact, the owner-general manager. Correct. Right, right. And pretty much that was the way this ran. It was an MOR station. We played a lot of Peggy Lee and that kind of stuff. Montavani and Ferranti and Teicher. And just really boring, even worse than elevator music back in those days. So uh, Lowell and then Ted Stecker, and I really never had any issues with either one of those guys. Then that's when I moved to KBIC, and the guy that hired me was a guy by the name of Dewey Acker. Dewey Acker was the one that hired Phil and gave him the job first, Uh and they went another opening. So you automatically had it in for him. Exactly. I already had the end, so while I bided my time over at that MOR station and waited for somebody to or something to open up, and I don't remember what the uh, circumstance was, but I got the job at KBIC and worked for Dewey for a while. Dewey decided he wanted to go into sales. For one thing, he had become the president of the JCs, and I looked at him and I said, why would you want to be in the JCs, uh, Dewey? And he goes, well, it's like running a little company. You have to worry about budgets and these people doing that. He says, and that's what I wanted to do. I want to get a little business experience running the JCs. That makes great sense. Yeah, sure. right? So Dewey wanted to go into sales, so he moved into sales, and Phil and I were like, yeah, they're going to make one of us program director. Phil, you're probably a shoe in. 
and out of the woodwork came Doug McDougall. <laughs> Doug McDougall was the one that I've mentioned before, and I, once again, I can sling arrows at him because he's not with us anymore either. <laughs> Dewey still is, moved back to Victoria. He's back in Victoria. He lived in the uh, Florida Keys for a long time after he had become a general manager and owner of a small TV station. Anyway, so Doug McDougall comes along, and he comes in and was one of the jerks. This is a guy that just wanted to uh, uh, express his authority 24-7 over you. He was better than you because he was older, had been in the Army, and that's the way he treated any... He was a captain when he retired, so he knew about what being a jerk was all about. <laughs> most captains are that way, I believe, with the, the rank. Uh, members of their platoons or whatever. So that's the way he treated us. And then after Doug went off with Phil and they started their own radio... After Doug left and Phil became program director for a short while, Phil Robbins, who we talked to, and then me for a short stint... Well, they finally got to you. They huh? finally got to me. They finally, after all those people, <laughs> moved around to me. And then when I moved to San Antonio to work for Class FM, KLLS, Bruce Buchanan, who had uh, worked at KDIL here in Dallas, uh, RMF in, in uh, Florida, and in, in, uh, West Palm. Richard Fairbanks radio station. Exactly. That, that Jimmy Hilliard was. Yep, and uh, Hilliard was control. part of that, too, WRMF. So Bruce was there at, uh, at uh, Class FM. Great guy. And he's the one that got me started flying. Ah, he took okay. me up, and that's why I wanted to start to learn how to fly. Uh, Bruce left and went to uh, Detroit radio station and uh, finally got completely out of radio. Jim Owens came in after Bruce uh, from Kansas City. What a memory you have. He was not a good program director. Okay, that's he, why you remember him. Yes, he <laughs> was a nice enough guy. He would, had a tendency to hit the bottle a lot, and unfortunately Jim has passed as well. After that, I moved to uh, uh, to W. Light in Grand Rapids, and Jerry and I went there to do the morning show. Bill Ashford was the guy. Now, you're going to like this. Okay. Bill Ashford hated our general manager, because, who was Jim Jensen, and he's the guy that hired us. But uh, he just didn't like Jim for whatever reason, because he just <laughs> Jim would come in and go. And I told you, Jim was a real soft-spoken kind of guy. He's like, uh... So let's uh, try doing that. Uh, let's take that song out of rotation, or let's do this. Or, and Bill didn't like that. Bill was a loud, boisterous kind of guy, and, and he was a fun guy, and I really enjoyed him. Bill ended up going to uh, run the radio stations. Are you ready, Don? Yep. The Villages in Florida. All right. You know what the Villages is? Uh, I'm guessing it's probably a retirement community. Huge retirement community. I mean... I figured that out all by myself. Yes. Right? Yeah. The Villages in Florida, and he ran a radio station. They yeah. had a, a station license to that. So he passed as well. After Bill Ashford, Steve Dirksen, who did Afternoons on a radio station. And see, this is still during that time where general managers would look at their staff and go, well, all right, my PD is leaving me. Who's next? Who's next? Like, uh, Dave's. Dave's got some pretty good ideas. Let's put him in the PD chair and see what he can do. Right. Yeah. So that was still during that day, and Steve became program director. Jerry and I absolutely loved Steve. He was a great guy, and here's the reason why. Since we were hired to do the morning show, he left us alone. Rarely did he give us any kind of feedback, and, 
And uh, I can understand why you would like that. Oh, it was great. We were autonomous. Uh, basically, after we got our contracts, it got even better. So Steve uh, now is in sales for a Class A ball club called the West Michigan Whitecaps. They're a farm club for the Detroit uh, Tigers. And so he's there, but of course there's no baseball right now. So he's <laughs> twiddling his thumbs. But Steve was a great guy. He was right around our age, maybe a year or two younger. Super, super nice guy. When Steve left to go across the street for a short stint to be on the air and BPD at a, a new signal that went on, uh, we got an interim program director by the name of Jeff Silvers. Jeff worked with Mike. Mike was our consultant, Mike McVeigh. Right. So he put Jeff in there as our interim program director. Well, Jerry gave this guy grief every time we turned around, and he just took it on the chin, boy. He was a really nice guy. We've been uh, friends with Jeff for a long time and had been. When we went to Hawaii for vacation uh, over spring break, he took us up to whatever hotel we were staying in because his morning show on their AC radio station in Honolulu every Sunday had nothing but a local artists broadcast from like eight to noon or something and so they would serve brunch and these guys would sit there do the broadcast live but the only people and they had live performers but they were all hawaiian people all ukuleles yes all right a lot of ukuleles (laughs) a lot of guitars it was wonderful and to look around the room everybody that was in there you'd see these hawaiian mothers bouncing their kids on their knees and singing along to these traditional Hawaiian songs. Sweet. Yeah. It was really, really cool. So Jeff was there for just a short while, and then they hired from the Big 89 in Chicago, WLS. WLS. Bill Bailey. Bill Bailey had worked nights at WLS and was our program director for, well, he was there for about 13 or 14 years. Really? And then he went to work for the PBS station, before they could fire him because he was making a lot of money just like we were and so they fired him simply because they didn't want to pay him anymore but he got the gig at the uh, oldies PBS uh, and local station for uh, Uh non-commercial and he was playing oldies and working mornings that is the entire lineup of every program director I've worked That's amazing that you can remember that. I don't know how, but it was marks in my brain. When I went into uh, Quad Cities to WQUA, the program director was also the news director. It was one of those things because, in fact, G. Laverne was the program director, but uh, they had this one. And then they actually brought in uh, a program director, and this guy's name... Uh, you may still be with us, so I'm going to be polite. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about a guy whose name was Jim. and <laughs> Okay, we'll just leave it at that. All right, and Jim came in. Uh, he also did an air shift just before me. Jim was, to be polite, overweight. And he also, uh, to be polite, you never wanted to be in the same room with him if he raised his arm. Because because it was one of those situations. And I followed him into the control room to do my show. And the control room was just terrible. And the chair that he sat in was beyond belief. So I went down to the boss and I said, i got to have my own chair. Well... G. Laverne twirled his cigar about three times and says, of all the prima donna questions I've had, nobody (laughs) has asked for their own chair. 
And I said, this this chair, I can't sit in. Every I, control room I, in the world had a crappy chair behind right, the console. Right. So he said, all right, go across the street. There was a furniture store directly <laughs> across the street. Got my own chair. Nice. came back. However, as you know, in, in any radio station, there is always one prankster or jokester sure. or, or somebody who, who is always a little bit ahead of everybody else and keeps the place laughing. At WQUA, this guy was Art Stanley. And Art uh, did late afternoons at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Art, uh, by the way, had had, uh, had polio as a child, and he wore leg braces, so he walked with a, you know, pronounced sure. uh, limp mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and Jim, Jim, our program director, always came in with a cane. Now, the cane had nothing to do with, with necessity. If he was happy, he twirled it like uh, like the, the uh, <laughs> like Charlie Chaplin, right? Yeah, doing that kind of routine. <laughs> yeah. If he was mad, he slammed it around and what have you. However, before his air shift, he would always take the cane and hang it on a drapery rod behind his desk in the office. Okay. Well, Art Stanley comes in one day and he's got this Cheshire Cat grin on his face and he's got kind of a an odd looking bag with him. I said, what's this? He opens it up, and it is a hacksaw. Oh, no. So when Jim, the program director, goes up to do his shift, Art takes the cane, removes the little rubber thing on the bottom, and saws off like a teeny, teeny, tiny one-eighth of an inch and then puts the rubber cap back on. (laughs) Now, this had gone on for about two months, and by this time, Jim, the program director, is seriously tilting to the right when when he uses this cane because he's taken off close to a foot, but he's never figured it out because it's an eighth of an inch a day. (laughs) So finally, and by this time, everybody in the station knows what's going on. They're all watching it like crazy. Except Jim. Except Jim and and the boss man. And the boss man. Right, yeah. So, uh, Art gets tired of this sawing thing and he takes off about a half inch all right so uh, uh program director jim comes downstairs he's heading out the door he grabs his cane and he says what the hell <laughs> <laughs> and he stops and he looks at it and he takes off the tip and of course there you sawed can see off, where yeah. it's sawed off who did this? Somebody is going to get... He is just going ballistic. <laughs> and, of course, everybody is sitting with their, with their jaws very quiet, trying to, trying not to laugh. You know, <laughs> think, uh, well, gosh, Jim, we don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I can't, yeah. can't believe somebody would, Who would do, do that. that? Yeah. yeah. So, of course, then I get called into the boss's office, and he says, Who messed up Jim's cane? And I said, Vern, there are some things... Owners just don't need to know. <laughs> and, and he looked at me and said, oh, come on. And I said, let's put it this way. You are the only one in the radio station, besides Jim, who doesn't know. Maybe it's best if it stayed that way. Well, he rolled that cigar a couple of more times and said, yeah, you're probably right. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you're running a radio station. People have fun at work. But, you know, I also, uh, on the other side of the scale, had the, the pleasure of working with some of the best program directors in the business. We've interviewed Bill Robinson, who was amazing. 
Bill was followed up by Gary Havens, who did a superb job and went on to a number of, of larger markets from there. Uh, out in San Diego, I was able to connect with Mike Shepard, who is to, to this day one of the best country program directors in the business. We went up to L.A., hired Ron Rodriguez, uh, mm-hmm. who was at Radio on Records at the time as the MOR. Yeah, uh, I remember editor. that. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Used to read his yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. And so the, these are the kinds of people that, that I was able to work with during that time. That's amazing. And so I, my view of, of program directors is perhaps uh, much more charitable than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in L.A. at the time that... Uh, um, Bill Drake was at KHJ? No, 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 no. That was uh, that was before my. There are very few things that are before my time, because <laughs> that but, was in the mid '60s, the, the Boss Radio years. Right. At, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wondered about that because uh, I know he voiced uh, the local version of the history of rock and roll. Right. In yeah. L.A., but uh, Robert W. went on to do it for the syndicated version for for the big boys. And yeah. And uh, you know, some the, the time that we spent uh, in L.A. was. Uh, it is a magical place, as your daughter, I'm sure, <laughs> knows. It, yeah. it, it, you just can't avoid the glamour. You can't avoid the real professionals and the really nice people that are involved that you would think would be total jerks. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're true. not. Yeah. Some, uh, there are so many just incredibly great people in this business that are fun to be around. They are. They are. And they're, it's... The best relation I can, or the best uh, analogy I can give of that would probably be when we talked about this earlier too on one of the podcasts. It seems like those mid charting artists, whether they were country or whoever, well, country people always had a tendency to be nice to their listeners and radio people, but some of those, uh, the, the pop and the rock guys, the mid-charters were always the ones that were harder to get along with than the guys that were superstars. Uh-huh. The superstars were always super nice, yes. yeah, with a few exceptions, I'm sure. But everybody in radio always told me, oh, this guy, yeah, it was just horrible to interview. But Paul McCartney, one of the nicest guys I've ever He would sit here and take pictures all day long and, you know, and, and that kind of a thing. Uh, program directors are kind of the same ilk. You know, one of one of the guys that uh, just uh, was phenomenal to be around. Uh, for those of you who remember Laughing, no, sure, and you remember the voiceover guy who put his Gary Owens, Gary Owens, yes, and that's right. Gar- Gary Owens knew everybody's name, and he never forgot. It was absolutely amazing. I could walk into a room, and he had no reason to to remember me, know my name, or anything. It's just that's what he did. That's politics, boy. That's good. I could walk into a room, and he'd say, hey, Don, how is you? Boom, 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 boom. And this is, to me, at that time, he was almost a god. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That killer voice Mm -hmm. and all of that. He was working afternoons at uh, KMPC, I believe. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And... uh, one of the other great uh, people to, to be around was da 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 da. It just went out of my head. Chuck Bloor. Yeah. Okay. Chuck had uh, the biggest dog in his office I have ever <laughs> seen. It was. A, it was. I've forgotten what kind of dog it was. It was almost as tall as I am. You, you yeah. brought it like a Great Dane, a huge, monstrous dog, you know, right? But yeah. you'd go into his office, and the dog was always out in the lobby. So you didn't want to get out of line while you were waiting for Chuck. <laughs> because he had that. <laughs> Chuck Bloor's a big name, too. Uh, he uh, he was big-time radio back in those days. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, the program directors are the ones... Get, 
the famous ones that everybody in radio has heard about. Uh, Don has talked about so many of them, but through the years, uh, uh, huge program directors uh, and and the fathers of uh, top forty radio, like uh, Bill Drake and and Stores and and some of these other guys. They just amazing programmers and operators. You know, one thing that that came to mind. Uh, while I was in the shower, that's where I have all my best sure, thoughts. Sure, everybody right, does. Know, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that when I started the business, there was no such thing as a format. The person on the air was the format. When I went on the air at WQUA, first thing I did, I got there early, I went into the record library, and I picked out what I wanted to play yeah. that day. right. Made no difference if it was Ferranti and Teicher or or Elvis, you mm-hmm. know. It was just whatever I wanted to play in whatever order I wanted to play it. And frankly, that was a lot more fun than it, it is today. It <laughs> would be, and I can see how it could be. I never had the opportunity to do that, but that's certainly a lot more fun. Than, and because not only did we progress from having program directors, but then they had a music director, right. and he's the one that would give the, the new records to the PD and said, these are the ones I think we should add this week. Right. And the PD would make that decision. Uh, and then it even progressed after that. Now we've got a promotions manager, and they're in charge of all the promotions. Well, a print promotions manager and an electronic yeah. promotions manager. <laughs> and, all of that. and on and on we go. And now everything is reversed. None of those people exist in radio stations anymore. Except the receptionist. Except she's always there, the receptionist. And the one rule I always learned was make friends with the office manager. Always make friends with the office manager because she controls every dollar that comes in and out of that radio station. That's funny. And the one thing that I found that was always very important was always at least a few times a month get into the station early enough to chat with the overnight guy. Yes! Because the overnight guy got all of this information from the late night guy as well as the early morning guy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Russ Carter, if you're listening from Wire, okay, (laughs) (laughs) you were the man as far as information flow was concerned. So now you know what a program director does. If you're listening and you've been into radio, you already know, you already have made up your mind about your program directors through the years. Good conversation, Don. I enjoyed that. It's always fun to talk about those people we worked with. Hey, take care. Stay safe. A quick addendum to our program director, Tales, and I forgot two when we were recording the podcast, and I didn't want them to be slighted. One of them was Darren Arians. Darren was at uh, Hot FM with uh, Jerry and I when we did mornings and unfortunately passed from COVID-19 a few months ago. And the other guy is a guy by the name of Jack Spade. Uh, He came in after Darian left to go do something else. And Jack I didn't really have much dealings with simply because not too long after he arrived, once again, the guy in New York City who controlled the spreadsheet thought we were making too much money by Dave and Jerry. So thank you, Darren. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.